Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew. Hey, guys. I'm Suzanne. And this is the QLips English Podcast. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to QLips. You are listening to Simplified Speech. And if you don't know what that is, well, let me explain. Simplified Speech is the QLips series that features clear, natural, and easy to understand English conversations about interesting topics. And we hope that by listening and studying with this episode, you'll be able to improve your English listening, speaking, and vocabulary skills. And to help me teach this lesson today, I'm joined by my co host, Suzanne. Hey there, Sue. Hey, Andrew. Hey, listeners. So great to be here with you guys. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic about our experiences moving to a different country. Yes, moving to a different country. And Suzanne, recently I threw a story up on our Instagram and I asked our followers if they had any suggestions or topics that they would like us to cover in an upcoming episode. And many people requested that we talk about immigration. And when I saw this suggestion, I thought, aha, this is a great topic for us to chat about because I realized that most members of the QLIPS team are actually immigrants ourselves. All of the hosts and even some of our team who work behind the scenes are immigrants and live and work in a country that's not their home country. Suzanne, you and I are examples of this, right? You're from the States, from the USA, but you're living in Canada. And of course, I'm from Canada, but I'm living in South Korea. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to talk about our personal experiences with immigration and moving to a different country. So that's what we're going to do today. Awesome. But before we start, we'd like to give a shout out to one of our listeners from Taiwan with、uh, the nickname Da Danny. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Who left us a positive review and five star rating on Apple Podcasts? Dadani wrote, Excellent podcast. I've been listening to Qlips for six months. I highly recommend English learners out there to take a chance and listen to Qlips. This will help your English learning. Exclamation! Yes. Thank you so much, Dadani. Yeah, thank you so much for that excellent review. We really appreciate it. And we're happy to hear that you enjoy listening to Qlips to Danny. Now, listeners, if you would like to get a shout out on an upcoming Qlips episode, then all you have to do is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Now, leaving a positive review and a five star rating. Really helps English learners from around the world find Qlips and study with us. Now, Sue, we have one more announcement to make, and that is about the study guide for this episode. Everyone, the best way to study with this episode is with the guide, and that's because inside the study guide, there is a full transcript. Along with detailed vocabulary explanations of all the important vocabulary 
and examples of how to use that vocabulary in a realistic, natural context. There's a quiz. There are questions that will help you practice writing and speaking and more. So to get the study guide and follow along with it as you listen to us today, all you have to do is visit our website, culips.com, sign up and become a Culips member. Okay, Suzanne, so I think it's time for us to get started with this topic about moving to a different country. And we have a lot that we could talk about. I guess maybe the best place to start is by sharing a little bit of your background. But Suzanne, maybe some of our newer listeners don't know your backstory. So could you bring everyone up to speed and let us know why you decided to move from the USA to Canada? Yeah, it's a very classic reason, Andrew. I moved to Montreal because my heart fell in love with a French guy. So I met Olivier in New York, and we were long distance. My That's my partner. We were long distance, New York, Montreal, New York, Montreal, back and forth, back and forth for four years. And it was getting exhausting having to move back and forth every other week and only seeing each other on the weekends. And Olivier tried to move to the States, but at that time, he was still a French citizen only and not a Canadian citizen yet. So it was difficult for him to immigrate to the U.S. As we know, immigration to the U.S. can be challenging. And because I was an American citizen moving to Canada, there were more options for me to immigrate. So I knew I wanted to do a master's degree in linguistics. So I did some research and found our awesome program at Concordia, met the professors, hit it off with the professors, and really felt like that was the answer, that Montreal was the place for me, that that was the best choice for us as a couple, for me to immigrate to Canada as opposed to Olivier coming to the U.S. at that time. And it was pretty easy for me to get my student visa. So once I got my student visa, I was able to move to Montreal, study at Concordia, and be with Olivier. Nice. Very good. And now, how long has it been since you've been in Canada? I think eight years. I moved here in 2013. Uh, this summer makes eight years. Yeah. The summer makes eight years. Wow. So, Sue, do you think of yourself as an immigrant? Is that a label that you attach to yourself? I would say yes. I think if I move to an English-speaking province, I would feel less as an immigrant because I think the culture is quite similar in the U.S. and Canada. It's not a huge shift in culture or language. Mm. However, moving to Quebec 
and having to speak French in my daily life, it does make me feel like I'm in a different country, like a different place. So it it adds that extra layer of difference between my home and my new home. So I do feel like an immigrant. I will say in the last couple of years since I've solidified my permanent residency, I don't feel as much as an immigrant because I think when you're going through all of that paperwork every year and having to reapply mm. for this visa and that visa and next permanent residency and prove your status, I think that definitely reminds you of the fact that you're an immigrant <laughs> when you have to deal with all the paperwork. Oh, that's interesting that you feel that way, Suzanne, because I was thinking kind of the opposite, actually. I feel like when you have to renew your visa every year and go to the immigration office, it makes you feel like you're just a temporary resident and that you're actually not an immigrant because at least my thinking about what an immigrant is, is somebody who settles permanently in a foreign country. And so if you have to keep renewing your visa, or if you are worried that maybe the following year you won't be able to renew your visa, that makes me feel like you're more of a temporary visitor in the country. And then if you secure permanent residence uh, or citizenship even, then you're an immigrant. So for that reason, I've never really considered myself an immigrant in Korea, even though I've been here for several years on and off for around eight years, similar to you, Suzanne. And uh, I do have a permanent residency visa, quote unquote, because the visa length is only three years. So that is the longest visa that I can get. However, it's not really permanent. It's only for three years. So there's not that like security that I could settle down here and live forever if I wanted to. I don't really have that security. However, I just did recently this year get married to a Korean citizen and I haven't done the paperwork yet. When I do the paperwork and get the marriage visa, then that will give me a lot uh, more security and maybe then I will feel more like an immigrant. But up until now, uh, I kind of feel more like a visitor in a foreign country than an immigrant personally. Huh. That's so interesting. See, for me, when I have that permanence, it makes me feel like this is more my home or I belong here. But you're right. The definition of immigrant is someone who has immigrated, right? Someone who has really moved from one place to another and has secured permanence in that country. That's so interesting. I wonder if it could be about the different situations that we're in, because I know Montreal is an extremely multicultural city. There are people from all over the world yes. that live there from all walks of life. I heard a statistic that it's the most trilingual city in the world. Wow, that's cool. What are the three languages? Well, it just means that the highest 
population of people who are capable of speaking three languages live there. So those three languages aren't the same, but out of the population, I don't know, maybe 30% of people can say that they're fluent in three languages. So that usually means they can speak English, French, and their home language from whatever country they originally came from. I think usually that's the situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I remember when we started our master's degree and we were in the room introducing ourselves, I was just blown away with how many people said that they spoke three or four languages. This uh, makes a lot of sense in Montreal. Even for business and survival, you do need to acquire French and intern English as well. So very cool. Yeah. So, so just to tie up my point here, I think in your situation, it is totally natural that you would feel like, oh, I am home here. I am a part of this city. I'm a part of this country. I'm a part of this province because um, there are so many immigrants. However, in my situation in Korea, it's completely different. I'm a very, very, very tiny minority as a foreigner in this country. And I'll never fit in here, no matter how deeply I know the culture, no matter how well I can speak the language, I'm still always going to be a foreigner, even if I got Korean citizenship, which is a tall task in itself. But if I were to do that and became a Korean citizen here, you know, I still wouldn't really be Korean. So I think, Suzanne, that could be a reason why you feel like you're not really an immigrant, but now you're more at home in Canada, whereas I still feel like I'm a visitor here in South Korea. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, too, because the cultures are very similar, right? American and Canadian. It's culturally, it's very similar. And I think for me, you know, I am coming up on two years of being a permanent resident. So I am eligible to apply for citizenship at that time. And I think I'm going to go for it because one, I don't have to then keep reapplying for my permanent residency, like not reapplying, but renewing. And two, I would love to vote because when I have that capability and right to vote in the place where I live, I feel like I've really acquired my home status. <laughs> I feel like really I'm a part of the community and I can add my voice to the conversation. So, yeah. It's so interesting, that perspective difference. Yeah, it's really cool. So Suzanne, we'll wrap this conversation up in a bit. I know that we could talk about this for hours and hours, but we should be conscious of our listeners' time. So I just have a couple more questions for you. And they are, what is the best thing about immigrating and moving to a different country? And... Conversely, what is the worst thing about moving to a different country? I think I can predict your worst thing answer, but I'll let you tell us first and then I'll see. That's so interesting because I, I don't know. I don't know if I have one. I don't know if I have a worst, but 
I'm interested to know what you think my worst would be because I can't think of one. Well, the best thing I really think is getting a different perspective. When you grow up and live in one place, even though in the U.S. I moved around, not a lot, but I lived in New York, I lived in Texas, I lived in Pittsburgh, I went back to New York. So I lived in some different cultural environment, like the environments that I lived in were different culturally in that, you know, one was very fast paced in New York City, had that kind of erratic energy and and a lot of creativity. And then Houston is a little bit slower energy, more spacious, more suburban. So I had a different kind of experience. But when you leave the country, you really can see your country through the eyes of your new home. So it's kind of a way to get perspective from the outside and um, instead of being immersed in that culture for so long. And so I really got to see how, and maybe my American friends and family might not like that I say this, I don't know. Um, Sorry, it's not meant to in any way offend, but what is very interesting is moving out of the U.S., living away from the U.S. for eight years, I really see an energy that the U.S. can sometimes think of itself as the only child, like they're the most important, (laughs) Mm. and forget that there's like many other countries out there that are equally important and necessary to the survival of the world. I think that sometimes in the U.S. we can get like blinders on our eyes, like a horse might that's racing so that they don't run off to the side. They get very focused on just this is my goal. That's it. I'm only seeing one thing. And so I found that that was something that maybe I had, too. And when I left the U.S., I was like, oh, there's other things out there. It's not just about the U.S. I'm not an only child. I have lots and lots of uh, other things around me and other cultures and people. So I think that was a really important perspective. Yeah, I have to say that I completely agree with you. I think the best thing about me leaving Canada and coming to Korea is exactly the same thing. The perspective that you gain from living in a culture and an area that's very different from your home just kind of rewired how I think uh, on so many different levels when it comes to just how people problem solve, how people eat, how people talk, how people think in a different place um, really gives you that perspective that there are many different ways to do things and to think about the world. And that's what's beautiful about life really is that we can all come from different perspectives and different backgrounds and think about the same thing different ways. And one way isn't right, one way isn't wrong. But if I had never left Canada, then I wouldn't know that these alternative ways of doing things and thinking about things even exist. The perspective that I gained from living in a different culture, different language, different everything, 
has been really, really super beneficial for my personal development as a human. And I, I'd recommend it to anybody who can get the chance. You can, you can get that perspective from traveling, but it's not as deep as living in a, a foreign country and really getting to see what the perspective is like from the inside. It's, it's super enlightening. Okay, Suzanne, now I have to ask you about the worst thing. And you said that you didn't have an answer off the top of your head. So maybe I'll share my worst thing with you first and you can see if you agree with it. Right. Okay. For me, the worst thing about moving to another country is all of the paperwork and hassle that you have to do at the immigration office when getting a visa. It can be a nightmare having to go to the immigration office, make an appointment. You have to carry all of your documents. You can't have any mistakes. Last, when was it? Two years ago when I got my permanent residency visa, quote unquote, because it's only for three years. <laughs> but <laughs> when I got that visa, it was a huge amount of work. It's not like anybody can just get that visa. It's a point-based visa. So you have to have points in a ton of different categories. I had to take a class on Korean culture. I had to pass a language test. I had to have just so many various documents from all sorts of government offices, both in Korea and in Canada, to prove that I actually earned these points. And it's really stressful. I don't really like it. Even going to the immigration office is a chore because there are so many other people waiting there. It's a busy place. Uh, the officers who work there are usually very stressed out because they're dealing with these stressed out people all day, every day. So in my opinion, visa and immigration issues at the immigration office, this is the worst part about moving to a different country. It's a real pain in the neck. 100%. It's really stressful. I mean, my permanent residency application was four centimeters, like two inches thick or something. It was a book. Like a thick novel. It was a novel. I mean, Olivier sponsored me as like, you know, conjoint fait or common law partner. And so I had to prove, you know, that we had the phone under the same name and the bank and this and the, you know, the car under the name and the, you know, the pictures from our whole relationship. And we went through countless cartridges of ink for that printer and to print out all of those photos and all of those forms and then this form isn't filling out correctly and it's not working on this and in the French version and the English version and the oh I mean I needed to study like a 15 page form in order to fill out the two inches or four centimeters of forms and then you had to interpret things right and that was scary because it was like it can't be stapled but you can put this so it's like okay can I use a pin? Can I use a, a paper clip? No staples. If you had staples, they wouldn't accept it. Things like that. Little wow. tiny things that, you know, you wouldn't think about. Yeah, it's stressful. It's tough to go through that process of getting a visa. 
And while you're doing it, it's tempting to think to yourself like, oh, this is so ridiculous. Why does it have to be this challenging? This is such a stupid system. Those are kind of the thoughts that go through your head. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm glad that we have these strict policies in place. I think it's for the best that we do. And it's just kind of one of those things that you have to do. It's a fact of life if you want to move to a different country. That is it, right? In order to reap the benefits of being a member of that society, you kind of have to go through the rebirth of <laughs> the, the, the painful things too in order to get to the joyful times. So c'est ça. <laughs> That's it. That's true. Well, Suzanne, I think we will wrap things up here. So thank you everyone for listening and congratulations on making it to the end of this episode. That means you got a great session of English listening in today and you can feel good about that. If you like Culips and you enjoy learning with us and you find us helpful for improving your English language skills, then we would really appreciate it if you could support us. And there are several ways that you can do that. The best way is to visit our website, culips.com, and to sign up and become a Culips member. When you're a Culips member, not only will you get the study guides, including the transcripts, for every one of our episodes, all of our previous episodes and all of our new episodes as well. But you will also get some great other bonuses like an invitation to our monthly live streams and mini lessons for Culips members, as well as our members only series, The Fluency Files. You'll also get ad free episodes so you don't have to listen to the announcements and the ads every time you listen to Culips. So it's a great thing to do to sign up and become a Culips member. And again, you can do that right on our website, culips.com. But that's not the only way you can support us. You could also tell your friends who are learning English to check out Culips. You could follow us on social media and you could leave us a kind review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcast. And you can also contact us at contact at culips.com because we love to hear from you. So if you have any ideas for episodes or maybe some questions or comments, please feel free to contact us there. That's right. Feel free to send us an email. We love hearing from you. Well, that's it for now, but we'll be back with another brand new Culips episode soon, and we'll talk to you then. Goodbye. Bye, guys.